We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Tonight, the battle over Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago documents. As the FBI says, it's finished examining the top secret material, what it means. The new details tonight, CBS's Robert Costa reports on the concern U.S. spies may have been compromised because of what's in those documents. Flooding, state of emergency. The Weather Channel's forecast as three tropical systems could form in the Atlantic ahead of Labor Day weekend. Football star rape allegation. The Buffalo Bills release a rookie player after he's accused of gang rape. CBS's Lilia Luciano speaks to the alleged victim, who was 17 at the time. I was having to deal with this horrible, traumatic experience that I never asked for. Mission to the Moon scrubbed. This is just part of the space business. CBS's Mark Strassman reports tonight on why Artemis One failed to launch and when NASA will try again. And the end of an era. The greatest of all time, Serena Williams, takes center court at the U.S. Open. And CBS's Jerika Duncan is there. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening. Thank you for joining us as we start a new week together. Tonight, top officials are beginning to assess whether intelligence was compromised as they review the material seized from former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. The Justice Department believes that some of those documents include intelligence gathering and information derived from clandestine human sources. Those are among America's most closely held secrets. And it comes as a federal judge is indicating she is open to appointing what's called a special master. That's a neutral party to examine those materials. A hearing on that is set for Thursday, so this week is already proving to be a big one. There are signs tonight that it may be too late, as we're learning investigators have already gone through the material. We have a lot of news to get to tonight, and CBS's Robert Costa is here to start us off. Good evening, Robert. Good evening, Nora. Tonight, the legal standoff over the documents taken from the property continues, and the former president continues to lash out at the FBI as he faces legal and political uncertainty. FBI investigators and agents reviewing the evidence gathered at former President Trump's estate say they found a limited number of documents that could be covered by attorney-client privilege. And sources close to the Trump legal team say that could bolster their push for an outside attorney or special master to be appointed to review the material. But the Florida federal judge overseeing the matter, Eileen Cannon, a Trump appointee, could also conclude that it is now unnecessary. 
Former federal prosecutor Scott Fredrickson said he believes the push by the Trump team for a special master is an effort to derail the investigation. They're going to try and get the judge involved, get a third party special master involved to slow this down, put a monkey wrench in the DOJ's investigation. Meanwhile, the office of the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, is leading a review of the classified materials found at Mar-a-Lago to determine any potential risks to national security. FBI agents had obtained video footage showing people had access to the rooms where they were held. So you have to worry about who had access to those documents who, who didn't have a clearance to do so. Missouri Republican Roy Blunt said Trump should not have held on to the material. He should have turned the documents over and apparently had turned a number of documents over. What I wonder about is why this could go on for almost two years and less than 100 days before the election. Suddenly we're talking about this rather than the economy. Tomorrow, the Justice Department has a deadline to respond to Trump's request for a special master. Today's filing indicates that they might view that as unnecessary. A hearing on the matter will then be held on Thursday in West Palm Beach, Florida. Nora. More details coming out, Robert Costa. Thank you. Well, tonight's severe weather remains in the forecast across the South and Mississippi braces for more possible flooding. Mississippi's governor has declared a state of emergency, but there is some good news tonight. The mayor of Jackson says the city has so far been spared last week's dangerous flooding. Let's bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Nora. It is another evening with severe weather across the Great Lakes and a lot of the Midwest. The main threat here is going to be damaging winds. Meanwhile, it is way too much rain. We saw last week leading the Pearl River in Jackson, Mississippi to flood a lot of neighborhoods today. That river did crest and now it is on its way down. So a little bit of good news there. Meanwhile, we're really seeing an uptick in the tropics, which eventually could add more rain to these areas. But for now, doing okay with the rain in the south. Here are all of the areas we are watching. This invest right here has the highest chance of developing over the next five days. But Nora, it's still way too early to say whether or not this will or won't have impacts on the U.S. All right. Thank you so much. Today, there was disappointment after NASA was forced to scrub the new mission to the moon because of an issue with one of the engines on one of the most powerful rockets in U.S. history. CBS's Mark Strassman has been at the Kennedy Space Center since the early hours of the morning watching all this unfold. Good, good morning or good afternoon as it is now, Mark. Tell us what happened today. Hey, Nora. Well, first of all, today's launch window here barely got the chance to open. Engineers had spent six hours fully fueling the rocket and then discovered a problem for reasons that are still unclear. A liquid hydrogen line failed to chill one of the four core stage engines. So they tried to troubleshoot the problem only to discover a second issue, a faulty vent valve in the intertank. We'll know more about what all this means tomorrow, whether these issues are minor, that is fixable on the pad, or major, which means hauling it back to the garage, in this case the vehicle assembly building, that potentially could mean a delay of weeks. Artemis 1 is supposed to open a new era in NASA moonshots. If these fixes are relatively simple, the next launch window opens Friday, early afternoon, but the issue then is the initial weather forecast, a 60% chance of no-go. Mm. Nora? Mark Strassman, thank you so much. Tonight, with help from the West, Ukraine is pushing to take back territory in the South captured by Russia. As the war rages on to its seventh month, there are fears that fighting near Europe's largest nuclear power plant could lead to a disaster. A team of international inspectors is headed to the area, and CBS's Deborah Pata is in the capital of Kyiv. 
Emboldened by the steady supply of Western military aid, Ukraine is on the offensive in the south, holding nothing back. Artillery. They're hitting us with everything they've got. Tanks, aviation, artillery, shouts this Russian soldier. The much-talked-up counter-offensive has intensified. Kherson was the first major city to fall in the early days of the war. For over half a year, residents say they've been living in fear under their Russian occupiers, accusing them of kidnap and torture. Further east, the Russian-controlled Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains a perilous front line. Kiev accused Russia of hitting the nearby village of Energodar last night, while Russia claims a Ukrainian missile strike punched this giant hole in a fuel depot at the plant. Ukraine's energy minister, Herman Khalushenko, told us they want UN inspectors to take control of the situation. It's very important uh, to create something like permanent mission and to share the, uh, the truth to share the information from inside. A top-level delegation of atomic energy agents has arrived in Ukraine to inspect the plant, which briefly lost power last week, increasing fears of a catastrophic radiation disaster. The team will be here in Kyiv before heading off to Zaporizhia midweek to assess the damage, security systems and conditions under which the mostly Ukrainian staff are working. Nora? Deborah Pata, thank you so much. The farewell tour of Serena Williams gets underway tonight at the U.S. Open. Considered to be the greatest tennis player in history, Williams plans to step away from the sport that she's dominated for more than 20 years. Here's CBS's Jerika Duncan. As the crowd grew, so too did the excitement. Let's go, Serena! With all eyes on Serena Williams as she returns to the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Win or lose? We're going to pay tribute to the Queen of Queens. Serena Williams. For nearly three decades, Williams has reigned. She won six of her 23 Grand Slam singles titles here in New York. Her first was in 1999 at just 17 years old, sporting a now iconic beaded hairstyle. But earlier this month, the now 40-year-old wrote in Vogue magazine she was prepared to begin evolving away from tennis to focus on having a second child and pursuing her business interests. Longtime friend Stacey Allister says Serena's legacy, along with big sister Venus, reshaped the world of tennis. They smashed down the barriers. Um, they faced uh, societal, racial, financial barriers that their competitors did not. But the wins at Arthur Ashe Stadium didn't always come easy for Serena. Serena's appearances at U.S. Opens almost guaranteed a display of her legendary fashion and fiery competitive spirit. Because I said you're a thief. Because you stole a point from me. But to her biggest fans, Serena's name will always be synonymous with the sport. Yeah, I think she touched the world. She touched the entire tennis world. She sure did. Among those 23,000 people who will be watching from inside the stadium, I'm told that about 100 of them will be friends and family of Serena Williams. And just to give you a sense of how hot this ticket is, one reseller posted a front row seat, Nora, for over $90,000. <laughs> Jerika, I'm so jealous that you're there. Enjoy it. I'll be watching it on TV. Thank you. 
All right, now to inflation, because it has begun to cool, but food prices remain high, and that is making it difficult for many families to afford even basic groceries. Food banks across the country are feeling the impact of high prices with long lines and new faces as more families struggle to make ends meet. CBS's Janet Shamlin goes in-depth to look at the growing demand. This is a line of desperation. Drivers parked along a busy Dallas road. They're waiting for food. This looks like what we saw a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, it's worse than a couple of years ago. We are serving now at higher levels than we even did at the peak of the pandemic. Trisha Cunningham of the North Texas Food Bank says every giveaway is just as busy. And we're good. As people say, they can't afford groceries. And it's just the basics. It's flour, sugar, eggs, milk. We don't buy cookies, cakes. We, we don't even have that luxury anymore. As inflation has grown, so has need. One in six Americans relied on food banks last year. That's 53 million people, compared to 40 million pre-pandemic. Cars were lined up for more than two hours before this giveaway even started. Today, there is food for 400 families, but demand will likely exceed that. Judy Moreland on a fixed income says the donations are a lifesaver. Staples like noodles and pasta and the canned goods. I love green beans and, and, and the canned fruit. Food banks themselves are strained, getting less government assistance than during the pandemic, and many report donations have plummeted. We have a deficit budget because we want to make sure that no one in our community goes hungry, but that is not a sustainable solution. But it does mean Dana Carpenter and her husband will be okay. It is one less dollar that I have to spend or I have to part with to pay the grocery store to provide just he and I. A hunger crisis heightened by the pandemic, now outlasting it. Have a great day. And Janet Chamelian is here with us in Washington from Texas. So how are these food banks meeting the needs of so many people? Nora, sometimes they're running out of food while people are still in line. And for example, the Dallas Food Bank says they're making food swaps. Now they buy, buy canned pears instead of canned peaches because of the cost. And they say they're already having trouble finding turkeys for Thanksgiving at a price they can afford to pay. Oh, my goodness. They need more help. Janet Chamelian, thank you. Right now to this story, rape accusations derail an NFL career. The alleged teenage victim is speaking out tonight for the first time. That story in 60 seconds. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Tonight, the teenager accusing an NFL rookie of rape is speaking out. The accused player was cut over the weekend by the Buffalo Bills. CBS's Lilia Luciano talked to her, and we do want to warn you that some of the details are disturbing. Matt Ariza was a rising star, a San Diego State punter drafted by the Buffalo Bills into the NFL. 
but off the field, police were investigating him for sexual assault. I was having to deal with this horrible traumatic experience that I never asked for. The accuser, who just turned 18, alleges that Ariza and two other players assaulted her for more than an hour at a party last October. I was bleeding, I was crying, and my friend asked me what happened, and I told her I had just been raped. She wrote in her journal the next day, All I keep replaying in my mind is being face down in a random bed, just waiting for it to be over. Ariza's attorney says his client will be vindicated. What do you think is happening here? He had what we call the deep pockets of these three young men. And uh, I think it's, I still think it's a money grab on her part on behalf of Mr. Ariza. What does that feel like to you? That makes me really sick um, to the stomach. Um, I reported it the day after it happened. I was 17 years old and I had no idea who Matt Ariza was. Ariza joined the NFL in April, a six-round draft pick. The Bills admit to learning about the allegations in July. He was dropped by the team after the lawsuit went public. Ariza's accuser wonders why his career even got that far. I can't put into words how upsetting it was when I've been facing the consequences for his actions. No criminal charges have been filed. Lilia Luciano, CBS News, Los Angeles. Coming up next, the hero employee at a supermarket who gave his life trying to stop a shooting at the store. Plus, chaos in the cockpit as two pilots get into a fight. We're learning new details tonight about a deadly shooting at a Safeway supermarket in Bend, Oregon. An 84-year-old man was killed Sunday night along with 66-year-old Donald Sir Jr., who worked at the store. Police say he tried to disarm the shooter and may have saved lives. The 20-year-old gunman apparently took his own life as police arrived. Turning overseas, Air France says it's conducting a safety audit after several incidents, including a mid-air fist fight between two pilots. Can you imagine? It happened during a flight from Geneva to Paris in June. Crew members reportedly broke up the brawl in the cockpit, and the flight later landed safely. All right, tonight, the death toll from this summer's historic monsoon floods in Pakistan now tops 1,100 people. Dozens died just this past weekend. Over a million homes are damaged or destroyed. Roads are washed out and farms are swamped. About one-third of the poverty-stricken country is underwater. Storm victims are living in camps where airlifted meals are in short supply. Coming up next, we'll tell you how this summer of flyer frustration has complaints piling sky high. If you've flown this summer, you're likely familiar with the frustration. Complaints in June alone were up 270% from pre-pandemic levels. Most complaints were over delays and cancellations. In the first six months of the year, officials reached over, received rather, over 28,000 complaints. That's more than all of 2019. Tonight, we're paying tribute to a beloved member of the CBS News family. Award-winning photojournalist George Christian died over the weekend. Through his camera lens, he witnessed history. He was the cameraman for President Nixon's Oval Office resignation and was aboard Air Force One with President Bush after the 9-11 attacks. Here at CBS News, George Christian is being remembered as a class act with a bright smile. His family is in our prayers. And we'll be right back with new technology helping more than just staffing shortages at a Minnesota nursing home.
Finally tonight, what started as one nursing home's high-tech solution to staffing shortages has turned into an abundance of joy. Here's CBS's Omar Villafranca. 83-year-old Jill Breckenridge has a new friend at her Minnesota nursing home. Hi, Pepper. It's not a person. It's great to see you. It's Pepper, a special robot that can talk. I hope you are having a wonderful day. And even dance with the residents to keep them active. But Pepper's special power is using new technology to bring up old memories. Here is her brother holding your puppy. Jill was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but when Pepper shows her pictures of her past... And I had red hair. The memories come flooding back. I loved my horse, Lucky Strike. Warms my heart. Sharon Fenn is Jill's daughter. She was smiling. I know. I could tell from the back when I was watching her. She was beaming. Arshia Khan with the University of Minnesota Duluth is the brain behind the robots. When you saw Jill with Pepper, what did you learn? I was almost in tears. It was like, that. that is what I wanted. We are taking them back in time. They have lost that time. It's gone, forgotten. But I'm able to bring that back to them, at least for a little while. But you don't need a PhD to see the real benefits of a robot. Oh, thank you, Pepper. I like you too. With a heart. Bye-bye. Omar Villafranca, CBS News, Roseville, Minnesota. It's always nice to see old pictures. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. Good night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.